Welcome, everyone, to DEI After Five, the show that focuses on topics across diversity, equity, and inclusion with some of the brightest minds in the industry. Here's your hostess, inclusive culture curator and coach, Sasha Thompson. Hey everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of DEI After Five. So you know, with the company name, The Equity Equation, I am always asked, what does equity mean? What does that look like? And so I really talk about that's where the hard work happens. It is how are we removing barriers or providing access for people that may or may not have access. And so today's episode, we are going to continue down this path of looking at access, looking with those opportunities, removing barriers means, but in the healthcare industry, right? So we've heard quite a bit about health equity in the last few years, but many people don't even know what that is or what that looks like. And so today my guest is Maria Flowers, who is a specialist in this area. So before I even go any further, Maria, welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Sasha. It's a pleasure to be here. So Maria, before we get into this any further, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into this work. Sure, so I've been in the healthcare industry for over 20 years. Um, I started off as a nuclear medicine technologist and just kind of moved my way up the ranks over the years. Um, My most recent corporate experience was as a patient safety and risk uh, manager in one of the largest healthcare corporations in the country. And I guess my inspiration or what kind of moved me into this uh, area of health equity was um, some of the things I was seeing um, from a patient safety and risk perspective and also on the employee side from a DEI perspective in healthcare organizations of, you know, what was lacking. And then when I started my doctoral research, I just started kind of going down a rabbit trail trying to figure out, okay, why does this exist here and what is the impact to the patient? And um, just kind of found a lot of things. And um, from there, my passion for health equity, um, it just grew legs. And I've been moving in that area ever since. Wonderful. So can you define health equity for us? Because I think there's maybe some misconceptions about what it is or what it looks like. So if you could just kind of break that down so we make sure we're all on the same page. Sure thing. So that's a difficult question to answer, I'll be honest, because depending on the person and the perspective, everyone is going to have a different um, definition of what equitable health care um, looks like. Um, so I, I will give that disclaimer. Um, but just in general, it is the sense that um, everyone, no matter, you know, ability or privilege or lack thereof, is able to get the same access to quality um, and safe uh, health care. Um, I, I, I pause from going into, um, into outcomes. Um, there's been some discussion about, you know, the disparity part of, of health equity and a lot of the root causes that lend to the disparities that we see in health equity come from or stimulated from outside of the healthcare field. Mm. And so um, there's some, I wouldn't say controversy, but there's some 
conversation about, you know, adding disparities in there. But um, it would be a parity of, of outcomes, at least um, equal to the population distribution of uh, by, by race and ethnicity. Yeah. So it really is about creating, you know, opportunities, creating access, removing barriers, but specifically in the healthcare space for groups that tend to be more marginalized or don't have equal access, right? So what you just said made me think about um, the other factors that are involved, right? And as we do diversity, equity, and inclusion work, it's not just one or two things. There's always other factors. And so what are some of those other factors that could impact those outcomes? Um, if, you know, once you say, okay, everyone has equal access, what are some of those additional um, challenges? Sure. So yes, access is just one barrier, right? Um, systemic racism um, is really kind of that, uh, you know, eyesore that we have in, in our country that limits us in a lot of other areas that impact our health. So yes, if everyone had equal access to care, there would still be that issue of systemic racism that um, impedes our ability to get the education that we need, which lends to literacy and health literacy um, that uh, can uh, impact our ability to earn, our economic ability, the neighborhoods that we live in, uh, whether there's a food desert or even a healthcare desert, all of those things go into and contribute to um, equal health care. Um, and then things like implicit bias. Um, all of us have bias. It's just part of our makeup. I don't care if you say I don't see color or I don't feel. All of us have a bias. Um, and so that tends to come into play as well. You know, like as you were speaking, I was recalling I'd just seen a video um, of, oh gosh, Joy DeGreer, I believe is how you pronounce her last name, mm -hmm. talking about um, just the historical things that took place and which caused racialized trauma for Black people. And one of those things was, I believe it was Thomas Jefferson um, said, you know, Black people do not grieve. Like they don't feel grief. Um, and they don't feel, and there was this whole mindset of like, they don't feel pain. And so when I think of systemic racism, when I think about things that are systemic, it's that mindset that has continued, right, systemically through the medical field, right? When you think about um, the number of Black women that say that they weren't given pain medication during childbirth, because again, there's this mindset that, oh, she's not feeling pain, right? Or, or her, she has a high tolerance for pain. And so therefore it doesn't need or require medication in the same way. And so help me kind of understand, or how can we unpack, how do you, well, how, what's the best way for me to phrase this? Like, how do you start to unpack that? You know, it's because it's so systemic. It's such a part. And when you think of how we try to look at the medical field as, you know, this is kind of our saving grace when you know that these inequities are kind of built in and there's some of these mindsets that are a part and some of the systemic challenges that are a part, it's overwhelming, right? And so how do you start to unravel or unpack that so that there is equity 
or at least a semblance of equity in this space? Oh, Sasha. I know it was a loaded question. <laughs> that, it's, a, it's a lot to unpack there. Just not in your question, but mm. just historically, everything that is be behind that. Um, and I dug into that while I was doing my literature review of my dissertation. It was really hard to um, emotionally to mm. process a lot of the things that, that I uncovered. But I, I'll, I'll say this. This country, unfortunately, was built upon a system of, of racism and exploitation. Mm -hmm. um, it's not just that we were found, you know, it's like, oh, let's do wrong to Black people. It was let's find someone we can exploit for mm -hmm. our gain. And unfortunately, um, these Africans from West Africa were able to be exploited. They were able to be overtaken and they were exploited for a huge gain. And after the uh, emancipation happened, um, a couple of things uh, occurred. Um, you had a large uh, population that was now, you know, a refugee, homeless. They didn't have anywhere to go. Yeah. Um, and then you also had, um, but then you had some people that were doing well and you had some communities that were being established that, that were doing well. And, as, and when that political power, when it was shown that that exploitation was now, wait a minute, we may not be able to exploit these people anymore. We have to do something. And that's when that propaganda type, um, behavior and, um, systems were, were put in place on purpose through Jim Crow, which I uh, call a terroristic apartheid system. Um, but yeah. that was put in place on purpose to keep uh, a set group of people, and in this case, African-Americans, in a situation where they could be exploited for gain, whether that's through sharecropping, whether that's through low wages, whether that's through, um, you know, redlining and, and um, keeping people in a certain, you know, undeserved uh, neighborhood. So mm. all of that rolled into that is what we're seeing the impact of. And then we're not even going to talk about how you know, healthcare for us, you know, our healthcare was like when we were enslaved was, you know, for two reasons, either for science. So they were experimenting, doing all these experiments yeah. on us to see what we could tolerate or what we could do or for um, just, you know, maintenance. Like we were, uh, well, we were like chattel. Uh, we were considered chattel. So um, there's an epigenetic um, trauma. Yes. that um, the descendants of slaves have um, carry and um, and it impacts it impacts health. It comes out as stress. Um, it comes out and that, and that morphs into obesity and diabetes and, and, and other chronic conditions. So it's a and that's why I say it's so much to unpack because it's so huge. And um, unfortunately, until our country takes the time to step back and say, this is something that we need to address, this is not something you can keep sweeping under the rug. It's, it's like a, you know, like a parasite. It, it grows legs and it, it just 
tends to take over things. And we're seeing the the outcome of that now. Um, it, it needs to be addressed in some kind of way, whether it's reparations or whatever. I know I'm getting all into another whole <laughs> show and conversation, you know, you know, but it's a it's lot. It's so true. Like it is, it is um it is so true. And you know, as you were talking, again, I don't know how I fall into these rabbit holes. Like you said, I fall into <laughs> rabbit holes all the time. Ask my family. Um, but I was listening to a medical uh, professional in Barbados talking about exactly what you were saying, like the impact of slavery on modern day um, Barbadians, right? Yeah. And how they have the highest level of um, heart disease and <laughs> diabetes, you know, I, I mean, just ridiculous, like it exceeds the United States. But when you think about the trauma, when you think about the worst slavery happened in the Caribbean, yeah. Right. And so when the generational trauma that is carried forward, um, even when we, our generation and the next generation try to eat healthy and do right and do all these things, you're also combating genetics, right? Like you're also combating all of these things that are, are built into your DNA because of this trauma. And so I'm thinking of that. I'm thinking of, you know, what you said about redlining and where um, certain communities have our food deserts. You know, they may not have a fresh grocery store or a grocery store that has fresh food mm -hmm. in it. They may not have access to doctors um, or readily accessible. And then again, generational trauma, there's this mistrust of the medical field because of everything that has happened. And so this is, it's just so much to unpack and try to unravel. But at the same time, you know, what I think about is representation, right? Mm -hmm. Like when we see people that challenge um, some of those mindsets or show up, there was maybe about a year ago, there was the artist that had started doing the drawings, the medical drawings. Um, oh, to yes. represent, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I think it was the first one was like a black mother, right? With um, yeah. a child, right? And how that just kind of blew people's minds because they had never seen themselves even drawn in a medical book. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, you think about, Oh, my brain is just going in a million miles right now because <laughs> I'm like, you know, you think about that representation in that way or even having black and brown doctors that understand and, and can connect with you because of that understanding of community. Right. So, you know, are those some of the ways that we're starting to create equity? Like, yeah. Like, where do you start? I know that was a whole lot. <laughs> So before I answer that, there's there's one one point I wanna I wanna share. I wanna make. Okay. Um, so when you're talking about that historic, you know, representation and where we are, um, I think there is this um, sentiment on both sides that, um, you know, okay, you're no longer a slave, right? So you have access to all these things. That's so you should be yeah. progressing, right? Well, yeah, girl. <laughs> That's another show too. <laughs> but it, it's this feeling that, okay, you have access to everything now, right? And maybe this is a good um, 
what I'm about to say is a good display of what I, what we're really talking about. But we have access, right? Okay, so why aren't y'all doing well? You still got folks that are, you know, here and they're not doing well and there's this crime, there's this and that. But if you think about this, now I don't know about your family lineage, but I can say on my family lineage, my mother grew up in Birmingham in the 1950s and 60s, right? So she grew up in Jim Crow era. Yeah. Um, her mother grew up in what they call that black belt of um, Alabama near um, Montgomery. So my mom, my mother, mm-hmm. is the first generation to grow up off of the plantation. And I say that because not because my grandmother was a slave, but my grandmother was a sharecropper. My grandmother, Mm. um, you know, lived on land and, you know, they made money off, you know, well, (laughs) they had their living on that land and they worked to earn their keep to stay on that land. Um, My mother lived in that terroristic apartheid area era, right? Mm. So my generation, I am the first generation in my family um, from my mother's side to live outside of that. Mm. So that's something that I think that we don't think about because we have this thing, well, there's all this stuff. We should have access. We should have this. But, you know, we've spent more time in slavery and in apartheid than we have free. So that's something Mm. that needs to be, you know, considered. Um, so that's one. And then the, the the second part is like, what do we do now as far as representation? These are starts. These are good things. Um, you know, having representation in medical schools is so important. Um, starting from that, that beginning, when our physicians are getting that initial medical training in anatomy and physiology, yes, they need to see what does it look like? What does a rash look like on a on a dark skin, you know, right. African American person? What does how does this present in in you know whatever the skin condition is or whatever it is? We need those things and we need more. There's so much that needs to happen to progress and I don't think this is not something that I think we're just going to snap out of right within the next 2 to 3 to 5 years. I mean, it this is hundreds of years of undoing that, that we're trying to do. We're not only trying to get rid of the biases of the way people think and perceive African-Americans and how that impacts the health that they're receiving and the treatment that they receive, but we're also trying to undo the systems that were put in place um, to exploit um, yeah. and, and that considered people like you and me less than. Um, So there's a lot of undoing. And then there's also the undoing of our own mindsets Mm -hmm. that we have to do to know, wait a minute, I can can use my voice. I can speak up for myself. I can, you know, use my own agency to to, you know, have the health care that I need to not only get the access, but have the conversations that I need to have with my physician to ask the questions, not just take what they say as verbatim. So there's a lot of undoing that needs to happen. But the good thing is that when you look at change models and change management, um, we're in that unthawing phase. So we're unthawing some of the old uh, ways of doing things. And then when we fully unthaw that, then we can start fully rebuilding to to where we uh, want to go. Yeah, I'm just like, blow it up. But (laughs) that's just me. Uh, (laughs) You know, so the other side of that, you know, of what we're talking about, 
is what I call going back to basics, right? Mm -hmm. So when I think about, though historically, you know, uh, Black people have been marginalized and harmed in so many ways, we're also very resourceful people. And I think of a lot of the natural remedies, the things that, you know, my mother, my mother will always say, you know, like, oh, somebody was sick, granny would just go in a bush and come back and boil and do whatever. Like they knew exactly they were so connected to the earth. And so I'm also seeing this kind of reconnection back to that a reconnection to apothecary or a reconnection to herbalism, a reconnection to the earth um, that is so innately who black and brown people, and I'm not just going to say black people, black and brown people are, mm -hmm. right, of the yeah. earth, um, which tends to be healthier, right, which tends to um, do that healing that many people need in a way that kind of starts to fix some of that DNA as well too, right? Because mm -hmm. there's that muscle, muscle memory in DNA. Um, and so I wonder how much of that is even being included in this because I'm just gonna throw out cannabis, right? Mm -hmm. Of the earth, of the nature, but there are a whole lot of people in jail <laughs> for it. And now a whole lot of people that aren't black and brown yeah. making money off of it. Right. And so, yeah. and when you think of that industry, we're also the ones that aren't getting funding to do those types of things. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. you know, when, as I'm listening to you and I'm kind of going back and forth on, you know, as people, we have this very innate way of connecting and reconnecting to the earth and doing the things that we need to do in order to heal ourselves. But the systems are in place yeah. to also hinder that natural progression. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I'm trying not to feel um, disheartened. <laughs> well, no, so I have a couple of thoughts about, about okay. that. Um, one is a, a couple of things. So one, I think that attraction to nature um, and natural remedies I think that is also something that might that may be epigenetic. That's something that we carry that our ancestors had that we lost. Um, you know, like you said, you know, mama and grandma would say, "Oh, you know, I, I know." Like my yes, yeah, go, 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 put an onion around your neck, and you know, somebody would. What is that going to do? And it right. does something. I don't know how, but it does something. So, you know, those little things. I think those are things that we lost because we lost our. In, in a sense, we lost our sense of self. We lost, we don't know, you know, I don't know if we've done any, you know, genetic testing or whatever, but a lot of us, we don't know where we came from. We don't know our lineage. And so there's a lot of that stuff that, that we don't have. But now that we're having a little bit more. Was it lost or was it stolen? It was stolen. Yeah. It was stolen. It was robbed. It was forcibly yeah. taken from us and, and, and hit and kept from us. Um, and, and, made to look bad so that when we tried to connect to who we were it was like oh no 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 we can't have that that's the um, devil that's all mm -hmm. these yeah yeah but i think there's a connection now you have more more people um going back to their you know their roots 
embracing their natural beauty, um, embracing, you know, making these, you know, you know, these trips back to Africa to, to mm -hmm. just see the land. So I think that has a lot to do with some of these things. And, um, you know, I don't know, I'm not very well versed in all the medicinal properties of like, I know they've got mushrooms and, um, and cannabis and all this stuff now. Um, but I mean, it worked in a generation and a lot of the things that we're finding now, these synthetic um, medications, we're finding that there's some issues with them. Like we've got this whole opioid epidemic that's morphing into this fentanyl. Who knows what would be next? Because this fentanyl apparently is one little drop can kill you. Yeah. What, what else do we need to get high off of? You know, so we need to come back to, you know, what are these homeopathic things? And so when you said what, um, I guess, resources or what avenues are there that are exploring that, there are some, um, there have been in this uh, presidential administration, there's been some changes. And I know um, that in, I think it's in some states, um, Medicare, Medicaid coverage will allow you to have food as medicine. And um, you can get, and I don't know if there's an age restriction or not, because I talked to my mom about it and she went and got, oh, I can get this box of fruit for my, um, <laughs> so she ordered this box of fruit, but yes. there's a company and I don't know it off the top of my head, but you can order like fresh fruits and vegetables and it's covered under your insurance. And so I think that's one way to kind of circumvent the whole, you know, food desert situation yeah. and um, allow, you know, some of those that can't go out and get the, the fruits or grow the fruits themselves and vegetables themselves to get that type of fresh um, nutrition. So there are some things out there um, that people can explore. Um, you just have to find the right provider. So important to communicate with your provider. Get them on your team. Yeah. So I'm going to do a little bit of a pivot. Mm -hmm. Maria, uh -huh. what do you do to take care of yourself? Like, how do you fill your cup? Oh. As you took your sip, it was like, oh, yeah, this is a good good transition. <laughs> okay. What do I do to fill my cup? A couple of ways. Um, you know, I'm a mom and a wife. And sometimes I need time by myself. Hmm. Only moms and wives will understand that. But sometimes I just need time by myself. And so I will take that time. And thankfully, I have a partner that allows me to do that. And sometimes that could look like me just sitting in my room, vegging out on Netflix while they go do something else. Or it could be me going away to a hotel or something for the weekend just so I can clear my mind. And that's when I do my best writing is when I'm alone. Um, and then other times when I need to, you know, self-care with my family, together with my family, I love, I love anything with a beach and mm -hmm. uh, the water, the sun, anything like that. That just kind of rejuvenates me. We like to go to somewhere warm during the holiday season when it's cold here. And that just kind of gives me an extra bit of energy to keep going. Um, yeah. <laughs> so those are the things I, those are the things I, I do. I like solitude and I like family time. I love it because there's a lot of peace in what I'm hearing from you, right? Like just water's peace, you know, solitude, there's yeah. peace. And so, yeah, I, I appreciate that. Yeah. So if people wanted to connect with you and learn more about the work you do and even, you know, start to unpack some of the, these, the topics that we covered with health equity, how could they connect with you? Sure. So there's two ways. 
Um, if you're looking for assistance on an organizational level from your healthcare or hospital organization, reach out to me at info at Maria D. Flowers or mariadflowers.com. And um, I have a consulting firm and I do a lot of work on that side. Um, from uh, I also have a nonprofit called Safer Healthcare for All. So you can go to saferhealthcareforall.com and get information about patient self-advocacy. We empower the voice of the patient and we have health equity town halls where we help um, provide and strengthen the community with the tools and resources they need so that they can do that. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for the work that you do. Um, you know, this is a topic around DEI that really kind of gets put in the spotlight. And so I'm glad we had this conversation because I think there were um, a couple of things that you mentioned that I don't think folks were even thinking about when they think <laughs> about health equity and, and um, the systemic aspects of it. So thank you so much for being with us. And thank you all for listening and being a part of this week's episode. Tune in every Tuesday at 5.15 p.m. right here on YouTube or where you find your favorite podcast. And until next time, have a good one.